Hello and welcome back to the Pocket Rocket podcast. Um, I'm your host Hannah and I am joined today by Haida Mehdi. Um, hi, do you want to introduce Hello. yourself? Yeah, so uh, Hannah pronounced the name very well there. <laughs> uh, Haida Mehdi, so yeah, that, this is me. I'm uh, very kind of um, grateful to be on this podcast as the second uh, guest, so um, I'm excited to have a chat with Hannah and um, hopefully, I don't know, enlighten everyone, I guess, in a way. We'll do a bit of a, a, a deep dive today and see what we yeah. can draw out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously, as you guys will all know, because you listened to the first episode, this is the series of The Man Behind the Muscle. And I really wanted to have Hader on here because as we kind of discussed before we got on this podcast, he is very open on social media. And he's been on a journey to turning pro for some time now. And I know that, Hayda, you and I have spoken when you've come off stage and I've been like, oh, my God, you did so well. Like, you're buzzing, blah, blah, blah. And you're not. And you do, I feel like you take those, well, as a lot of people would see, wins as losses because it's not what you went there for. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So talk me through that. You've you've started, am I right in saying, in 2013? That was my first ever show, yeah. And now we're in 2021. So just talk talk us through that journey. Okay. Um, so I guess I, I, I don't often actually talk about 2013 just because um, I guess I was so kind of underdeveloped and unsure of what I was even doing because mm. um I don't I remember it like it was yesterday to be honest I, I got involved in the prep because I was uh training in a local gym a bodybuilder gym very kind of old school based and um I'd uh not long done my personal training course mm. so I was getting into kind of learning about everything myself and finding things out myself and and 2013, I know obviously everything was still around. Facebook was a very kind of popular as stuff, but it wasn't. I, it wasn't. Google wasn't like it was now. So it wasn't like I was um, into kind of researching stuff deeply and as, as I guess as accessible as it is now. It's not in your face like it is now. Mm. That's kind of what I mean. And um, so I was kind of just doing my own thing in terms of trying to figure out how I could get in good shape and how I could look as lean as I could look. So I was just dieting my own dumb way that I didn't really make much sense from how I look back on it and doing like high intensity interval cardio and stuff like that. And I started looking okay. And then I was approached by a few older bodybuilders and they were like, Oh, like you look like you've got good shape. Like why don't you do a show? And at the time, the only shows that, I'd ever kind of even seen at all were on Facebook and they were like the Miami pro shows and stuff. So uh, I ended up looking into Miami pro and seeing who just kind of won the shows. And it was a bloke called uh, Adam Parr. Don't know if you know Adam Parr. He rings a bell. Yeah. He's a guy from Birmingham, but he'd won like the muscle model show or fitness model or something like that. And his coach was Jordan Peters which obviously everybody knows now. And uh, I got in touch with Jordan and 
I said, I want to do this show. And he mm. was like, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> I think his words are, all my guys win those shows. Confident as ever from Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> I ended up driving to Essex, where he was living at the time. I think I, I think he charged me 600 quid for a prep. And I had a cash and I went and gave it a trained with him for the first time he asked me like what I looked like showed I showed him some pictures and stuff and then he was like yeah you're gonna be well you're gonna be peeled and I was like all right didn't even really know what that meant I was like, <laughs> let's see what happens so then <laughs> next thing you know I'm on a prep and literally I didn't realize what I was getting myself into until I was backstage because I'd ne- I wasn't I wasn't I was always very kind of confident as to a term like I lived in a town called Loughborough. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a small town, but it's quite well known because of the university. So it's got a big sports university. But I was like very I, prestigious as well. Yeah, it is. And I guess I was kind of well known for Loughborough because it was just a town and it was just mm. the place that I grew up and kind of just I guess I was kind of popular in a way, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, not like that. <laughs> nothing's changed there (laughs) (laughs) um right so yeah anyway and then I was I was backstage and I was like oh my god like what where am I am I actually gonna get on stage in my shorts and nothing else like that's how I felt I was like I haven't practiced this like I didn't do any posing I didn't even know what I was doing all I've done is seen photos and stuff so like I've gone a little bit on a tangent and gone a little bit too ahead of myself here because I wanted to do Miami Pro essentially and then I spoke to Jordan and we were like let's do UK BFF men's physique instead he was like oh I think you would do better there basically my legs weren't good enough to do my that's where we would why we thought we'd switch because I didn't Mm. even know about UK BFF then I was like okay someone you were really being led totally by Jordan yeah pretty much because I just didn't have a clue about anything I just knew I wanted to compete Mm. So it, essentially, it, it, the more I look back on it and like now, the more I talk about it, it's kind of like, was I doing it for the right thing? Like, I did, did I even want to compete? <laughs> like, I was just told in a gym I should I should compete. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And then next thing you know, I'm there and I'm in a prep and I'm backstage. That's That's kind of how it felt. But do you think that that was partially because back in 2013, as you say, the bodybuilding industry was very, very different and it wasn't so in your face. We didn't have this huge Instagram platform where now we can all connect and we can learn, like there's so much free education out there about it all. Do you think that formed part of it that you just kind of went, well, if I was going to know something, then if it was important, like obviously I would know. And you kind of relied on that. I guess that is, uh, yeah, because I think back then as well, I don't know about you, but like, and, and your circles or friends or family, but you know, everyone was a little bit more trusting. Everyone was a little bit more kind of let, easy going with stuff. Like, mm. it's only kind of in the last few years that, in my opinion, that things are like highlighted as to how people are a lot more crooked and a lot more kind of after certain things. Do you know what I mean? It was mm. always like, okay, he's got my best interests at heart, so let's just go and do it. I'll just mm. roll with it. Like, if somebody said, oh, you should compete, it was because they wanted me to... The, the guys in the gym wanted me to do well. Like, they weren't getting anything out of it. I wasn't paying them for coaching. They weren't coaches. 
Mm. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, yeah, okay, let's do it. He said I should do it, so I'm going to do it. It must be good. I must get something out of it. So, mm. but like, I'd always looked up to the bigger guys in the gym and the older guys, and so it was something that I just did. And then, yeah, like I said, I was backstage, and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it kind of hit you, like, wow, oh, this yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah, honestly, I was like, this is crazy. Like, there's loads of people out there. I'm yeah. about to just stand on stage in shorts only like this is mental like it was it was yeah it was crazy it was crazy but like the way when I looked I didn't I didn't place that show but I, I thought I felt like I looked really good mm-hmm. at the time and when like, like I analyzed stage pictures and stuff I, I didn't look out of place at all but I just didn't think it was my day I don't for one reason or another I didn't place so that's kind of what started it all off, obviously. That's what lit the fire. And then being as though um, I felt like I should have and could have done better, I didn't mm. want to leave it there. So I, um, that was right at the end of 2013. So it was like, I think it was like a Stars of Tomorrow show or something like that. It was, yeah. It, yeah. So it was like the, it was after the season had finished and it was the one show in between the next season <clears throat> but way far away because like the next season started like march or April. yeah there's uh, the big so, gap isn't there yeah it's like a random show so um yeah i did that and then i was like no nah, i'm not having this like i need to need to win i need to get better so you went from a mindset of that i mean we all know that we're not on stage for long so you yeah. went from a mindset of being backstage like holy shit yeah. what have I got myself into to coming off stage maybe I don't know five or ten minutes later and going I love that this mm. is for me you knew straight away yeah I just I, I, I just knew I, I'm very competitive and I knew I needed to do better as well mm. so there was that a huge part of me was like this can't be it like this is not the end you can't just leave and not have done well like you've got to do well you've got to fucking win and um, sorry for my language. That's <laughs> right. It's an adults podcast. It's fine. <laughs> and, um, and and I think a, a lot of it as well was because I came from a town. Everyone knew what I was doing as well. Mm-hmm. No one had ever been in like serious shape. I was like, fucking hell, mate. You look wicked. Like, well, are you going to win and everything else? And then mm. I felt like I let everyone down as well. So I was like, yeah. So I was like, no, I've got to do, I've got to go again. So I went straight into an off season. Like uh, I was speaking about this to somebody the other day, actually, on how most people go through that binging phase at the beginning of their competitive season, yeah. and when they um, come off stage for the first time, they literally scupper their whole off season instantly because they just lose their mind and eat mm-hmm. week week. I didn't. I was like, no, I was like, I'm fucking on this. I want to, I want to win. Like, I, like my kind of binge and, and and bad relationship with food came like a couple of years later. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, where I'd got a little bit more comfortable with myself and a little bit more confident with myself, and kind of maybe developed more eating issues because of the longer time that I was restricted. Mm. So essentially, I got off stage and just wanted to just get straight into getting better. So I was like uh, asking Jordan, like, what what do I do? What should I do? So he was mm. like, like, off season, like, now you need to improve. So I was straight on it. I treated that whole off season from then until uh, 
it was the week before Body Power, March, I think, April. Yeah, it must have been April. It was Body Power May. It used to be May. Yes, it used to be the first week of May, yeah. Yeah, so it was the week before. So from then until, um, yeah, April, end of April, I was like treated my off-season like a diet. So it was like I didn't stop dieting mm. in November. So I just carried on. So, and then I did um, Southeast, London Southeast qualifier. And I came second. But that time I went to Helen at Panthers and paid for the posing. Mm-hmm. I was meant to do. So um, obviously I was a little bit more confident with my posing and they got to know me. Uh, I guess I, 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 I uh, I wouldn't say lick the right asses, but <laughs> I think um, we've both done the UK BFF thing. I think you you know what you have to do. Well, that's uh, it. Exactly that. Exactly that. There's not mm-hmm. many people that can win without showing their face or kind of at least giving them some interest. And I, I was told to do that as well. It wasn't as if I just knew. I was told. Jordan was like, "Go see Helen. Do some posing. It'll 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 pay off." And mm. unfortunately I think I would say that's something not a hundred percent of the past but it definitely was something um when I started and and clearly back when you felt it as well I started in 2018 and I I was told by other people as well make yourself known to UK BFF you can't turn up and be a stranger and expect to do well yeah it's unfortunate that it's like that but that was the way it was and we had to kind of if you were focused on doing well and you wanted to really, really win, then I, I think it was something that you just had to do. So mm. at the time though, I wasn't like, I wasn't, oh yeah, this is bullshit. This is corrupt and everything else. I just thought they're the people that are going to teach me how to pose properly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and do it. Mm-hmm. It was only when I started going there more and more and I was listening to Helen talking and everyone else talking and like I was overhearing backbiting and people would leave the posing and then they'd be talking bad about them afterwards and stuff like that and I was like then I started to kind of understand what it was all about Mm. originally I was just there to to be better like Mm. that's all I I wanted but yeah anyway so then I went to that show and I came second qualified for the finals in 2014 and uh yeah I was so happy like I was like oh yes like now I'm even though I didn't win I was like I'm, I'm getting to a kind of point now where I'm good enough to place in shows and I've qualified for the final mm. so um so you went from no placing at all into a very structured off season mm. and put on quite a decent amount of size from what I've yeah. seen as well like from that um and then you went in and, and second place in, in that qualifier. Yeah. yeah. And then I went to the week after. I'd also registered for Body Power. US, it was the USN Classic. Mm-hmm. And that was like meant to be a really, really big show. People, I was feeling like people were traveling from Europe to do that show, apparently. So mm. it was meant to be a really, really big show. And um, I put my name down for that and the Southeast qualifier. The Body Power Show was always a backup in case I didn't place. So I didn't ever know if I was going to do well in that in that Southeast qualifier because although uh, I do have kind of an air of confidence, I am kind of very, 
I, I do lack a lot of confidence as well. So in myself, like I, I'll always kind of go into a show thinking, I know I could either win or I know I could come last. Like I'm never, ever, ever like I'm going to do well here because I just know, because I know that I've come last well, not last, dead last, but I know I've been in second and third call-outs mm-hmm. and I know I've won really, really hard shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and like, and it's probably not the time to kind of go into politics and why and whatever else, because you can never, ever be 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But I know I've been at both ends of the spectrum, so mm-hmm. I'll never be able to go into a show and be 100% confident or take anything for granted. Do you think that... Um having been in both situations it's humbled you when stepping on stage because you see some people who have always won or placed top three and so they have that expectation and and maybe they do continue to get their placing but they've never had that humbling experience where they've not placed and it's I imagine that's quite quite valuable to have going into a show to think look um, this isn't guaranteed here. Definitely. I, I, I think it is. But then I am also often told that I need to be more confident and I should be more confident and I mm-hmm. need to be going into shows thinking I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. If I don't visualise my win, then I won't win and all that kind of talk. I'm sure mm-hmm. you hear it a lot yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, about kind of um, visualising things and then, then what is it? Is it? I don't know, thinking things into existence and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a firm and believer in that, yeah. There's a big part of me that does believe in that, but there's a big part of me that struggles to do that. So... Why do you think that is? Just because of, like, like I said, like I know that it... I, I'm, I'm very, very realistic, and I'd say almost, almost sometimes I might be pessimistic in a way, <laughs> but... Um, unless it's bodybuilding so well okay let's not say bodybuilding in general but let's say bikini and men's physique right mm-hmm. they aren't like bodybuilding classes mm-hmm. and I know a bodybuilding class can be very hard to judge yes but it's kind of often you're going to know who's going to win unless something's a bit dodgy mm-hmm. men's physique and bikini like if the standard's good it could go anywhere like, yeah, and, and and I know that so like when people say to me like you're going to be the best there or you're definitely one of the best there you're definitely going to win and all this or you're definitely going to place and I'm like yeah but there could be 10 others like me do you know what I mean and I could not be what they want to see that day and that can happen mm-hmm. so I always have to take into account what potentially could happen because if I don't, then that's me being naive and that's me setting myself up for potentially or, I guess, not allowing myself to be ready for every outcome. Do you think that that constant flow of people saying, oh, you're going to do this and you'll you'll achieve this and you're going to be that person and you're going to win and, you know, do you think that that is social media has made that, worse do you think that's more common now and how does it make you feel when you you have to turn around and say to them like thank you but yeah see I I I try I just try I just try and say thank you now unless it's my close friends 
because otherwise it's just going nowhere in a message kind of thing. Because I, I, I do get a lot of messages, a lot of supportive messages and stuff. And like, oh, yeah, it's going to come one day or it's got to come next time or eventually it's going to happen and all this mm. shit. And I'm like, it, as soon as that's said, I'm like, yeah, but it might not. Yeah. <laughs> like, let, let's be honest now. Let's be 100% all cards on the table. It might not. I could do 20 shows and I still might not turn pro. Like, like that's how realistic I am. Like, maybe, How does that feel to say that? This is the thing. It's like I've, I've, I've kind of conditioned myself to be, to be okay with it because I just know that it's not in my hands. Like, I'm not saying that I'm emotionless or mm. I've detached from it and I don't get upset if I don't win and I don't mm. get upset if I get so close and I don't win, but I just know it can happen. I just know it can happen. So I'm in a way a little bit kind of prepared for it. Then yeah, I think I have about my own battles. I have my own psychological battles mm. where I'm like, well, yeah, but you can't think like that. Or mm. and I'm like, yeah, but you have to think like that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> to when it goes through my own mind, but um I, yeah I don't know I think if I was to think of a, a few bodybuilders I'm going to use the term bodybuilders generally speaking but I would put it to physique and bikini probably more so um if I was to think of some bodybuilders that are relentless in their goal you would be in that that lineup um it, it seems it, on one hand it's exceptionally inspiring to see someone relentlessly attack their goal at every show that they can year on year but I also kind of think on the human side of me is that not so hard to do that over and over and over again and at what point, I'm not saying there has to be a point, but at what point do you go, okay, enough? Yeah. No, you, you're, you are spot on. I mean, I'm, I am human. And, um, yeah, there's uh, the, when it comes to that, when it comes to thinking about when is enough enough, that's when I kind of, kind of put the brakes on a little bit. Mm. Because I don't really want to think that far ahead. I don't want to think that into existence, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know, it, uh, uh, like I just said, I'm very realistic and I know that can happen. Like, there's going to be a point if I don't turn pro that I'll be like, no, this is it now. I've had enough. But I wouldn't still be competing if I didn't think I would, would or could turn pro. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm very realistic. I have to go on what I see myself in the mirror and what I've done in my shows and to come as close as I've came on so many occasions, mm. I have to still take belief from that. If I don't place in my next show, then that might completely change. But based on my last seven shows, I have to, I have to be like, you know what, you're there. Just, mm. just go again. And do you get the judges' feedback after that? Uh, I did on the show before the last one. And then I was like, I'm not asking again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nonsense, to be honest. But 
I, I just think to myself, why ask? Because you're in an overall and you just got beat, so to deal with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you got beat. I don't really even care why I lost. I just need to be better. And how do you balance this progression and this drive and this passion with being a family man? Because obviously you've got a partner and then two little ones as well. Um, And I, from the outside in, you it seems to be like that's a fighting for kind of what comes first is it bodybuilding is it the family and it it does seem like every day you are as much of a dad as you could possibly be while still doing that so how on earth do you balance the two how do you choose i think um prioritizing people is obviously very important and then having an understanding family is also very important. I feel like a lot of people probably can't do it because they don't have the elements that I've got, which I'm very, very lucky and very grateful for because my partner is very understanding and she allows me to do what I need to do. Mm. And my kind of um, responsibilities as a dad, I make sure that I fulfill too. So I, I'm non-stop. Like I don't ever, ever, ever stop. So that's part of being the person that I want to be and the person that I feel I need to be is me never taking a a break kind of thing. Mm. Because if I'm not being a dad and a partner and I'm not in the gym or in training, I'm working. And everything, obviously apart from bodybuilding, work, family, living, and trying to spend time with them and enjoy time with them essentially is going to all come down to what you can kind of bring to the table in terms of finances and business and everything else. Mm -hmm. Ultimately we can, we can all talk about money is not going to make you happy, but without money and without um, a a half decent income, you can't do everything that you would like to do or you feel like your family deserve. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm like, well, I do this all for myself really, then they have to have, a lot too so working hard outside of their outside of the family time and outside of the gym time is also very very important so I'm always kind of doing something but it's just about managing everything and making sure you kind of balance the books in a way so when I say I'm very lucky and I'm grateful that I've got an understanding partner she allows me to go so if I'm doing cardio, I'm trying to get that done first thing in the morning so that doesn't eat into any of the family time or the breakfast time, the times that I kind of make sure that I'm there as a dad. So obviously that's not easy when you've got little ones because they're probably up earlier than me. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if I get up and I'll do my cardio, I'll do, say, 30 minutes cardio in the morning every morning. They'll have either just got up or just getting up. So then when I'm back, they've only been up for half an hour. Luckily, we, we've got cardio upstairs. So it's up in the lift and it's back down. Mm. So I've not gone for long. Then we all sit at the table every morning. We all have breakfast together, all four of us. Then I will sit and do a bit of work. But at the same time, I'm sat working with my family. I'm not in the room on my own in my office. Okay. Like, I don't feel like I have to be there. I feel like this is, and this is something that my opinion is on, on 
a lot of kind of online coaches and stuff. Like, I feel like it's kind of built up in a way that it doesn't really need to be. Like, obviously, you need to concentrate on your clients and you need to concentrate on the work that you're doing. Mm. I don't feel like you have to be sh- shut in a room on your own or you have to devote hours and hours of time to be in a coffee shop of doing your work. Like, if you can devote time to your clients and make them feel special and concentrate on what they're doing, but still be present in a way and be around, then that's better than not being there at all. So do you think that that that's the dad in you though, that is able to make that choice and balance? Do you think maybe you're thinking about your clients the way you think about your kids? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess that could be a way of thinking about it. Because I do, like, I do really care about my clients. Like, I really, really care about my clients. I almost care too much in a way because I, um, I, I, I offer my, my kind of, I don't want to say, I'm, I'm definitely not a counsellor or anything like that or, 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 or qualified to be one, but I, I, I listen and take on and offer my time to them mm. outside of training and diet almost every day. So... I guess I do care about them a lot, but I feel like I can spread without really spreading my time. I can, like I sit there and I'll do my work in the living room while they're sat watching TV or playing. So I'm, so they know I'm there. Mm. And, and if I'm talking to a client, my daughter can say, Oh dad, look at this. Yeah. If I don't look, I can be like, (laughs) Oh yeah, that's nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like if I a toddler hands you the phone you say hello <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know what yeah. I mean so there's there's ways of, of of making sure that you're that you're the parent that you kind of want to be and that they they deserve to have so I guess it's just having that understanding and then so after that I guess I'll just run you through my day day to day so then that'll be work time I'll stay within the kind of vicinity of everybody else and then it's gym time so a couple of meals gym time then I'll go to the gym obviously I'm away for a good few hours there I'll come back and then I'll work again and then I'll try and taper work off towards the evening and have a little bit of time with away from my phone and 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 Matt whatever else and just be with them for an hour or so talk to them see what they've been doing for the day or we go out for a walk or go to a cafe have a coffee together or something and then I'll come back and I'll work till late. So mm-hmm. like, there's always something that has to take a little bit of a hit, I guess, whenever you're trying to excel in anything. Something's mm. going to... You're never going to be 100% at everything. But for me at the minute, it's kind of like my sleep probably taking the biggest hit. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's a lot to do with being out here and being four hours ahead. So because I try and devote time to my clients, I'm staying up till like 12, one in the morning, Mm. which also does alleviate time for me in the morning here to be less on my phone and more with the family. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's it's a balancing game, I guess. And it's kind of trying to make sure that you don't um, push too hard in any kind of avenue. Yeah. And obviously you've just touched on the fact that you are, different time zone and that's because you have gone out to Dubai now this has been an interesting topic which has divided people um 
now I guess for me twofold thinking about what you just said about your family yeah you've obviously completely relocated their lives because you want access to a gym no 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 not to the gym I've got access to gym in the UK so why did you do the Dubai move then uh more I guess for the whole family in in general wasn't just because I like basically my best friend and training partner in the UK owns Shreds Fitness Centre mm-hmm. uh, I think it's okay to talk about it now but throughout the whole of lockdown one I trained in there every single day mm-hmm. so um I've never I've even got keys now still in my house in the UK so it's not as if I was coming here to train this is what I've told a lot of people um it was more so to uh be able to live and thrive and be free as a family unit and not be stuck in the UK going through what we went through on lockdown one for the third time so it was just a case of, you know what, I'm just not having it anymore. I'm not having it. And that is the bottom line. Like, I didn't want to accept it and I wouldn't and I didn't. And that's why we came here. So it wasn't, it was definitely not about me. It was more, I guess, about them in a way. I don't want it to sound like, oh, I'm this righteous father who's came out here all for them. Because it wasn't just for them. But it was, it was a lot. To, like my, my son starts school here. I'm paying £8,000 a term so he can start in April. Like it's not about me. It's about everyone. My kids are so much happier now than they would be in the UK because they're allowed to be kids now. They're allowed to live as they should be here. They can go out. They can go out. They can go and swim. They can go and just play. Like there's not there's this is. Do you remember what you were like when you were seven, eight years old? Like, it's not right for this. Mm. It feels so... I've spoken to parents who are like, yeah, my son is not the same anymore. Mm. He doesn't even want to go outside anymore. Mm. Like, the generation of children now are growing up on iPads and Nintendos and everything else. My kids are. I'm not trying to say that they're any different, but if you only give them that option, then that's, that's all they've got. Like they, kids should be able to be kids. Kids should be able to express themselves and, and run and play and not worry about anything. They, they should be kids should be kids, not adults. Yeah, at the exactly. moment, that's hard for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and I, it was it wasn't easy. You like I had to really put my foot down and say we're going. I was in the living room, like stumping up and down, like. <laughs> saying, we're and that's the end of it and like my mum was sat there like yeah I don't blame you and like Kelly like my partner was like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know like because we just did it like we didn't do anything in preparation for it we're getting our house like emptied like next week by like a removal company and friends like we came here with two weeks worth of clothes wow and now I've got an apartment that I've signed for a year and registered the business and, uh, and and a resident of the country. Like, it's just gone. It's just something that kind of happened. So you've got this apartment for a year. Mm-hmm. Is it a kind of let's see where we are in a year, or do you see yourselves now here for the? Well, I'm not going to say forever, but for an extended period of time. Um, I think I'll be here for 
the year for sure. That's a definite. But then um, I'm also that guy that never really plans too far ahead. So I don't want to say yes or no. I just don't know what's going to happen. But um, as far as I'm concerned now, I don't really want to keep uprooting my son from school to school. Mm -hmm. The thing is, like, I don't really have much faith in the UK at the minute. And I don't have much faith in our government as to their their plans in terms of I do believe they're going to come out of lockdown I do believe everything's going to open but I just don't believe that that's going to be it mm-hmm. it doesn't seem as it just seems a little bit too good to be true it mm-hmm. being the third lockdown and whatever so until things are normal I guess uh, I'll be here I think but it's very hard to say as to where I'm going to be after this year but yeah for sure I mean like I said I'm paying for my son to go to school and I'm, I've, I've made the financial commitment mm-hmm. so yeah. and kind of just leading on from that family stuff but also bringing it back to bodybuilding um yeah. I was kind of interested to see your thoughts on how would you feel if your son and possibly more so your daughter because I think that's maybe a touchier subject as being dad. Um, how would you feel if they wanted to get into bodybuilding, but also like competing? Like, how would you feel if they wanted to compete? Um, it is. That's a very, very hard question. Like my son's very, um, he's really sensitive. He is really sensitive. Um, and I don't think he's that bothered about it right now he might change but you know a lot of kids uh, he he obviously loves me he loves his dad he wants to be like his dad but yeah i make him do like squats and press-ups and sit-ups and stuff and he's not really that into it <laughs> 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 he don't like it when it gets hard basically but he's only a kid and he so but um i guess i i have to kind of say i, I just want him to be happy so if they felt like that would make them happy, then I would let them. You have to let people find out for themselves, don't you? you have to oh let yeah. Make their own mistakes, and like I, I could, I could try and shield them away from the darker side of bodybuilding, and that doesn't. I'm not just talking about drugs here, because I guess that's what people kind of guess I'm talking about. Uh, uh, well, maybe, but like we were talking about food binges and relationships with food and which they're just inevitable, I feel like. I mean, there's, I, I guess there are people out there who have never been affected by dieting and stuff, but um, I feel like that's something that's very common and it's going to more than likely happen to the majority of people that start bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. You never look at food again the same way, do you? Mm-hmm. Like, you're either trying to progress towards a goal, so you're having meals planned and structured throughout a day or you're dieting for a show where you're having set meals planned and structured throughout a day you can obviously track your calories and track your macros and vary your food choices but at the end of the day it's not normal is it you, mm. it's not normal to eat five six meals a day it's not normal to eat 150 plus protein a day mm. you know what i mean like as far as normal goes like Sharon in an office, or let's look, or your mum, my mum. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just not normal, is it? Yeah. So it, it's, uh, 
it's, it's a very tough question because you don't want your own children to ever suffer. But I guess it, it, you could kind of ask the same question to a lot of parents in different um, fields as well, where, where there's a lot of negatives, I guess, like maybe, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of <laughs> some professions now that, <laughs> that have negatives, but yeah, I don't know. I think bodybuilding is, well, competitive bodybuilding is physically and mentally very hard. Mm. Um, so I guess that was my my thought process behind that was, well, you felt those feelings. You've been in the depths of prep. Yeah. And I don't have any kids, but I can't imagine me wanting my children to feel what I felt. You mean, do you mean how you felt in terms of tiredness, hunger? Everything. Weak, emotional, all so that when, sort of stuff. when you or step you off stage and you haven't achieved what you wanted to mm-hmm. and they've seen you and, and kids will understand these things as well as your partner. Um, they've seen you in those tough times and they then are in that with you. And, and I'm sure at times, you say your partner's name is Kelly. I'm yeah. sure she's kind of sat back and thought, oh, does he need to keep doing this to himself? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, but then she also goes the other way. Like she said, I think, there might have been a conversation that we had like a couple of years ago where I was like, oh, I might just leave it after this. And she was like, okay, yeah, cool. And then uh, I think I did a show and I think I must have worn and I was like, oh, what do you reckon? Should I go again? And she was like, yeah, you can't leave it now. You've got to carry on. It's been like that ever since. No, but I do get what you're saying. I guess like, I, I don't want my kids to ever not know what hard work is and stuff. So, Mm-hmm. If it if it could help them, in a sense, because there are positives from bodybuilding, we can't we can't ever deny that. We're not gonna sit here and just slate it like that. Oh, absolutely, like, we love it. Like else, we wouldn't do it, right? So there are positives that can be taken from bodybuilding. I think hard work and dedication and consistency, like they 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 see that now from me. So that's got to be kind of translating in one way or another where they're getting something from it. Mm-hmm. it. It might completely put them off doing exactly what I'm doing, but I'm hoping that it's going to show them that being consistent and being hardworking and remaining dedicated towards a goal is a positive and it's something that people should do in life whether what just depending on whatever the goal is and have you always been this goal driven like are you that person that picks something up and doesn't just enjoy it but has to be the best at it um I guess I was yeah because I was just always into competitive sports and always doing stuff like that as a kid so I always kind of wanted to be the best at whatever I did but um I went through a few years between being very sports driven and 
getting into bodybuilding where I just kind of lost my way a little bit and I was a bit of a naughty boy. And uh, <laughs> without sounding cheesy, like, I think bodybuilding kind of did save me a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, I, when I look back on my history, when you ask me a question like that, it makes me feel like it was just bodybuilding that made me like that because there was that period of time where I was just being such a little twat. <laughs> I was really bad. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I guess when I started training and wanting to look better and then it kind of spiralled into competing, it just went from there. So what was so bad about pre-bodybuilding life? What What was... What, what roads did you go down that you perhaps shouldn't have? Save that for another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, was it like just drinking and going out and clubbing? or everything. 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 Literally everything. Everything that you could think is bad, I did it. And I was doing it for a long time. And did you know that it was bad and you just didn't care? Yeah, yeah I didn't care. I had, a, I had a bad attitude where I was just uh, wanting to just do what I wanted to do. I wanted to make money how I wanted to make money. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to party how I wanted to party, see who I wanted to see. And I was just, yeah, I went down the wrong path for a long time. And I guess I speak from experience when I say that people are, I I was a little bit like that in the sense that I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Mm. And it didn't matter what anyone said to me. Um, And now my mum will say to me, what does your coach know about you? What does he have a hold over you? Because you'll do everything he says. So you must have some dirt on you. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> so do you think that that kind of, how, how do you think you got from that stubborn, I'm going to do what I want to do to I'm going to do everything JP tells me to do? I think it was because I'd grown up as being one of the one of the how do you say it one of the boys you know what I mean lads one lads of, lads yeah but one of the bad boys and one of the top boys one of the you know right. what I mean yeah like, like there was a group of us and we were like the ones who would always be getting all the girls and fighting all the boys and mm-hmm. being just dickheads basically if you want to be honest about it and look back on it but at the time that's what you wanted to be that's what we wanted to be so um growing up being like that from a young age that's kind of the route that I just carried on going down until I got into like my early 20s and then because that's all I'd ever known that's I didn't need to listen to anyone else because I knew what I was doing Mm -hmm. I knew that this was bad but I didn't care but I knew how to make money. I knew how to apply myself to the things I shouldn't have been applying myself to. Mm-hmm. So why did I listen to Jordan when I didn't listen to anyone else? Because I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Jordan knew everything and I didn't have a single clue. All I knew is I wanted to do it and I wanted to get good at it. So I had to be, I had to have my hand held and I had to listen and do mm-hmm. as I was Whereas previously, no one could tell me everything because I knew it all. Mm-hmm. 
and I and the proof was there because I was doing what I wanted to do and I was I was all right and you've been with Jordan since day one is that right I've had stages where I've used other coaches and stuff but yeah we've been uh together for a long time I guess you could say yeah there's been bits and stuff where I've not trained with Jordan and I've worked with other coaches but yeah we always kind of get back and Mm. uh, when he sponsored me in 2018 it's been we've been very close ever since and that's not something you see a lot these days there is a lot of coach I call coach hopping Mm. um do you think that you say obviously you you went and worked with some other coaches here and there yeah. do you think that kind of just drove you back to Jordan because you were like well actually I liked what we were doing why did I change um I think it was more for one just trying to I wanted to be I was being a little bit kind of inquisitive in terms of what i wanted to learn and if I could learn anything new and try different approaches and Mm -hmm. because Jordan's approach is one way like he hasn't really changed that much since 2013 like there are obviously some methods that he's changed in terms of like dieting methods and stuff like I, I had to suffer back then a lot in terms of what I ate and how much cardio I did. So Mm -hmm. that kind of side of things has changed a lot in terms of how we approached my prep. But I wanted to try other things. I wanted to try other diets and and other kind of methods because like one coach I got with, I was doing like intervals and sprints and um, all stuff like that where I was eating um, different foods and just, just things were just completely different. The training would be different every single day I'd get mm-hmm. a different training plan every day. It was just, yeah, it was, it was very random. Mm. Not any way you could kind of lead to progressing strength or anything, but um, it was different. And I just wanted to try different things. Mm. But I ended up getting back with Jordan in like late 2017 after bitting and bobbing for a couple of years because it. I just knew that Jordan was the structure that I needed. Mm-hmm. No other coach was ever as level, as ever, ever as kind of solid as, mm-hmm. as Jordan was. Like that rigidness of how he is in, in terms of what his, his methods are and his core values of bodybuilding, they've always worked. And I, and I guess when you look for a coach and you need stability, you need a, a, a cool head, like he's not the most talkative person. He's not the most fun person, but you want results. Then you go where they are. You go who gets them. And I knew that I was going to get them again with Jordan. I knew that he knew I could work hard. So mm-hmm. it was like, just get back and just do it. Okay. Um, conscious of time. I've had you on for quite a long time now. Like you asked me like my show experience like where I started and I got to like 2014 and now we're opened up didn't you it just all just happened oh, yeah. I've been <laughs> I needed it. a little bit of therapy yeah definitely nice no, and wicked so I've got a couple more questions just to wrap up 
Um, kind of looking then over your whole career from 2013 to now, is there anything that you think I would have done it differently? Even, I don't know, in school, before bodybuilding, in those rascal days? Um, is there anything you think, I wish I hadn't done this, or I wish I told someone or did this, or... I don't want to give you a generic answer where it's like, no, I don't regret anything and that shaped me to what I am today and everything else. I guess um, when I was young and I was in the rascal days, as you put it, um, <laughs> they, 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 those days have given me probably the biggest lessons I've ever had in my life today. So I wouldn't change them because I, that they're the kind of experiences that allow me to be the coach that I want to be. You know what yeah. I said that I offer my my ear to a lot of my clients and I listen to them. It's because I've been through so, so much mm. through kind of like my own doing and the people that I was hanging around with and the and the predicaments and situations that I've ended up finding myself in. Like some of them are absolutely out of this world like I can't even believe that I did them myself and not necessarily that I did something but I was involved in something that I was there mm. now I don't want to scare people off I'm not, it just sounds like I was part of like a mafia yeah <laughs> obviously it wasn't anything like that but it's like I mean like just just deep deep situations that people have been in and like mm. like, like life and death situations mm. you know what I mean people have been hurt seriously and like stuff like that like and 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 emotional situations like losses of people and and just dealing with 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 big life situations so I wouldn't ever change that because I feel like that's really helped weather me and help mold me and help make me who I am today so those situations I wouldn't change obviously there's a lot of kind of negative stuff that I've done that I regret doing but mm. I think going to have those things aren't they when mm. they're young because you're not as mature and as, as smart as you are now so you do things that you don't really think about mm. as far as um bodybuilding goes um i don't i don't think i've really really done anything that i shouldn't have done but yeah i don't know it's hard to say it's hard to say you don't have to have any regrets i, I mean it's for me it's not a generic thing I don't believe in regrets yeah. I think like we were saying earlier on like everything happens for a reason and yeah. put things into the universe and they will come back to you um yeah I'm more and more of that thinking now I never used to be I never used to think I put it on my Instagram the other day that I never used to think that everything happened for a reason I never used to I used to be like nah it's not true like shit happens and that's it kind mm. of thing like, it doesn't have to mean anything like, mm. But the more and more I, I get older and like being out here, being out here has been like the biggest eye opener ever. Like every single day I'm like, bloody hell, I'm glad I'm here or bloody hell. Mm. Like, like it was fate. Like we definitely made the right decision. Or, mm. Because I'm not just talking about the political um, situation in the UK. I'm talking like about personal things that we've heard, things that have happened with family, with friends and um 
other avenues of business that I had in the UK that haven't worked out. And it's all been like, bloody hell, like, it was, yeah, like, yeah. Everything's coming full circle. Yeah, like, everything does happen for a reason, potentially. Like, maybe that is true. So, I guess, no, I guess I don't really regret anything. Like, everything has led us to where we are today, hasn't it? So. Good. Um, and one more question, which I asked James, and I will ask every man that joins the Man Behind the Muscle podcast. Um, you are known as Hader. You are physiques by Hader. You are on the road to pro. But if you had to be known for something, what would you want it to be? What would you want to be remembered as? Um. I think I'd, uh, um, I think I'd want to be remembered as somebody that is um, more than just a competitor or a bodybuilder, somebody that actually cares about people and how they feel. Because I feel like when I look at my peers and people that I know through bodybuilding on social media, and I find a lot of people arrogant, I find a lot of people rude, I find a lot of people very obnoxious and up their own asses. And maybe that's my way of looking at things and that's my a negative in my opinion, I don't know. But I feel like a lot of people could be a lot nicer than what they are. And I feel like I often check myself before I say things and stop myself sometimes from saying things. Oh, don't get me wrong, I do obviously blurt some things out sometimes, but... I think I try to be a nice guy and I feel like a lot of people can be a lot kinder and more caring and thoughtful. So I think I'd like to be remembered as a caring guy that worked hard and tried to achieve his goals no matter what. I think that'd be a good way to be remembered. I hope so. Well... Thank you so, so much for joining me for episode two. Um, I've loved having a chat with you. Um, I'm glad that I started this podcast. Otherwise, I would have never had these sorts of conversations. So you know, um, I told you when you told me about this, I was like, that is going to be sick. <laughs> it really is. I'm so, 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 so grateful that you invited me on. And I'm really, really happy that um we've got on and chatted so kind of freely like obviously we get on anyway but I'm really happy how it's went today I hope that um I came across well and uh I didn't just ramble too much no I think people will really enjoy hearing about the other side um you've had such a phenomenal career to date and uh, I see big things for you in the future right. and I I wish you all the best Oh, bless you. I really, really feel the same way about you as you're progressing so fast. So. We shall see, eh? This year, our year, eh? <laughs> 2021. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so, so much. I hope you all enjoyed listening. And uh, if you want to follow Hader, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Hader underscore M. And I'm currently trying to build my YouTube as well. So you can get on there and find me on there too. All right, then. Thank you so much. And uh, see you you. later. Bye-bye.